Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is December the 26th, and our chapter for today is the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Let's get right to it. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. John has changed locations. Now, in order to understand what is happening, we have to understand the language. I want you to make note of something if you have your Bible open or you have a pen and pencil available, maybe a highlighter. I want you to highlight or underline or circle the phrase after these things or something to that effect, whatever version you're reading. And then the last couple of words in that first verse of chapter 4, after this, it might say, after these things. Whatever the case, I want to give you the words in Greek. It is a phrase that appears not here first, but in Revelation 119, where I gave you the outline of the entire book. After these things and after this is the translation of the Greek phrase metatauta. It is a prepositional phrase, meta, M-E-T-A, a preposition, and tauta. Meta in this particular construction is to be translated after. And then these things, the demonstrative pronoun things or these, these things, or this. It's translated a number of ways depending upon the particular context. Now, why is that important? Because back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, remember I shared with you the outline of the book. The Lord said, write the things which you have seen. That's everything that was mentioned in the first chapter of this book. And then the things which are those are the things that are written in chapters 2 and chapter 3. Well, there would not be any way for us to know when the last section begins, that is, metatauta, except for this linguistic flag. That's right, a linguistic flag. It is like waving a banner saying, this is what I was telling you about. You see, it's very obvious that the first chapter are the things that he had just witnessed and seen on the island of Patmos. That's verses 1 all the way down through the end of the chapter in verse 20. But when it comes to chapter 2 and 3, the things that are, how do we identify that that is the second section? Well, we identify that through the words that are used to begin the last section or the third section. It is the things which will be meta-tauta, after these things, after this, 
after what we have just been witnessing has happened. And that phrase does not appear again, that is metatauta, until chapter 4 and verse 1. And it appears twice. In this one sentence, you have this phrase appearing twice. Metatauta, I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And then he says, come up here and I'll show you things which will take place that must take place, metatauta. Now remember, there are no verse or chapter divisions in the original Koine Greek text. There weren't any divisions at all except for the language keys. And this is a linguistic flag or a language key that says, okay, this begins metatauta. So that is how we make a distinction between the ending of the first section, which ends in verse 20 of chapter 1, and it does not appear again until the beginning of what we call chapter 4 and verse 1. And this is John giving the flag to say, okay, we're beginning the last section here. Not only that, but look at what the scripture says immediately, verse 2, I was in the Spirit. So John, of course, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day in the sense of spiritual worship, but here everything changes. He is in a spiritual realm. This is not something that is ordinary here. He is caught up into heaven. Remember, the words are, come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place, metatauta. And so what I believe that this is, is what we call the rapture of the church. Now, why would I say that? Well, remember, the book of Revelation is the prophetic key to understanding and unlocking all of the other prophetic passages in the Word of God that relates to the end of days. It is the book of prophecy. The entire book is a book of prophecy. Now, remember what prophecy is. Prophecy is not foretelling the future necessarily. It is forth-telling the Word of God. And the Word of God is so sure when it is spoken and written that it will happen that it is looked upon as history written in advance. And so all of prophecy is nothing more than history written in advance, events that will surely happen as sure as those which have already happened. And it is just in future time. We haven't experienced it yet. And so this is after the time of the church is past. You say, why would you say that? Because the church is not mentioned again from the end of chapter 3 and the closing of the Laodicean church all the way until Revelation chapter 19 when Jesus comes back again after the period of great tribulation. The church is not mentioned. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God ordains and sets aside and seals 144,000 Jews, 12 out of 12 tribes of the people 
that are descendants of Jacob, of Israel, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this is very important because these are going to be sealed and saved simultaneously, instantaneously. They are going to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, and they will become his flaming evangelist, his evangelist during the days of the Great Tribulation. Now, the Bible goes on to speak about who these are and so forth as we go through the book itself. But what I want you to understand is the church, as Jew and Gentile made up together, is not mentioned again as the church until Revelation chapter 19, when the bride of Christ is talked about again in coming back from heaven to be with Jesus as he rules and reigns and sets up what I would propose to you is the messianic era. It's called the millennial reign by theologians today. We will talk more about that when we get to the close of the book. But I want you to understand that Revelation chapter 4 is a sea change because John has left earth. He's in a spiritual realm now. He is at what I believe is the judgment seat of Christ, and he is around a throne. The word throne is mentioned over and over and over again. Every time you see the word throne in Revelation 4, underline it or circle it or highlight it, and you will see thronos, thronos, thronos is used over and over again. Now, the word throne is a Greek word, and it's talking about an elevated seat where a king or a queen or some kind of potentate would sit. And this throne is, the word throne is a Greek word, thronos. And it's just brought right over into our English language. And so John was in the spirit. And it's amazing as he was caught up. Notice also, I cannot go into all of this, but it's so fascinating because just in Revelation 4.1, the first voice was a, like a trumpet. You see, the trumpets, go back and look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and following, and you will see that this catching away, this being caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye is always associated with trumpets. That's correct. And so here the trumpet is speaking with him, not just a voice, but a voice like a trumpet and says, come up here, come up where, come up into the spiritual realm. Remember, I told you that the rapture is a movement of earth toward heaven. And the second coming is a movement of heaven toward earth when heaven comes down to earth in the person of Jesus and all of those who are his followers. But the scripture says that as he was standing there, that he was caught up and he was caught up into the very throne room of heaven. But just after the first phrase, after these things, he said, look and behold a door open in heaven. A door standing open in heaven is what the construction says. Now, this is language very much like what James talked about in the book of James, where he said the judge is standing at the door. And here he has come so quickly that the door is open and no one's there. It's just an open door. Why? Because the judge has already come through and he is now going to do his judgment, his giving out of rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And there are many chapters 
and verses that talk about the judgment seat of Christ. And why do I say that? Because the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For every believer, all of us, will stand before the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. That's not to judge our salvation, but to judge our service since we've been saved. And that's where the crowns, the Stephania, the Stephanos will be given out. Now, the word for crown in chapter 4 that are laid at the feet of Jesus, those are crowns. The Stephanos, that's the individual name, singular. It is the word for a victor's crown. That's right, because we are victorious in him. As we serve, God has crowns laid up for us. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Therefore, there is a crown laid up, a Stephanos laid up for me in heaven. And we can lose our crown through disobedience and thwarting the will of God in our own lives through our own rebellion. But the Bible also talks about a diadema. Now, diadema, where we get our word diadem, talks about a royal crown, and that is what the Lord usually has on his head, although he has a Stephanos, which is a victor's crown as well. And so John is caught up into heaven. And I believe that's what's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye for every one of us. I do not believe that the church of Jesus will go through the tribulation period. And I'll be doing an entire series in the month of January and February on video at the church where I pastor. I'm going to be making that available on our website for you to be able to see. But I'm also going to do an audio of that in an on-the-way podcast series in the coming year. And so I want you to stay tuned all that because I cannot do all of this just simply in one or two podcasts. So I've already spoken to you about what I will do in the series that I will do. So look for that. And then he talks about all that's going to take place in heaven. And notice that there is a great worship scene that is going on in heaven. And it's the same kind of worship scene that we saw in the Tanakh and the prophets in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train was filling all of the heavenly temple. There were seraphim. Seraph is the word for burning one. That's a kind of angel, a flaming one. Seraphim, I am on the end, is plural. So you have these burning ones, these angelic beings, created beings that cease not day and night with six wings flying around the throne of God. With two wings, they cover their face. With two wings, they cover their feet. And with two wings, they fly. And they cease not day and night to sing, holy, holy, holy. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And they will also sing, holy, holy, holy. They will also say, Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Look what verse 11 says. The first thing we're going to praise God for when we get to heaven, all of us, is not for his redemption. We'll deal with that in the next podcast. And the great anthem 
the great saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's not now. That's to come. The first thing we praise God for is that he is the creator and the sustainer of all of life. This is so underrated. And many of you listening to this podcast, you might not even believe the Bible is truly the word of God till after Genesis 3. I believe the Word of God is the Word of God in Genesis 1 and 2. I believe that God created everything there is, and He did it in six days, and He rested on the seventh day. I don't believe that that's spiritual speaking. I don't believe that's allegory. I don't believe it's figurative, illustrative. I believe it is a literal six-day creation. That's nothing for the God of heaven. He's the God of eternity. Is anything too hard for Him? And just because your peanut brain and mine cannot understand it doesn't mean that it's not so. Just because someone with a PhD tells you that they have studied this and they've come to that conclusion, well, I've got a PhD and I believe the Bible is the word of God from cover to cover. I believe that every syllable is true, every letter is true, and I believe that that's what we will praise God for if the book of Revelation is to be taken as it is. Is, just as it's written, we are going to say with the angelic host, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they are sustained. They exist and were created. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.